you know, when I said in the last episode I was going weekly, I wasn't sure if I was actually going to be able to do it. But I've done it. I'm here. This is the second episode in December. Run the theme music. What's this? What's this? It's the most wonderful time of the year. What's this? What's this? It's Christmas time. What's this? What's this? It's all humbug, I tell you. What's this? What's this? Well, Chef's team, trusty old Red Rider Carbine Action 2 on the Shot Range Model Air Rifle. What is this? It's the Total Christmas Podcast with your host, Jack. He's an angry elf. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to episode something of the Total Christmas Podcast. We're in December. It's still December. I've got the Christmas tree up. It's all decorated. I haven't put the lights up outside. I was going to do it today. It's raining all day. I'm going to do it. Or I might not. I don't know. The plan is to do it. All the house is decorated. I've received zero Christmas cards. Actually, I think I've got one. I've got one Christmas card from one of my gardening customers. What else have I got? I've got Christmas. It's here. It's raining down or snowing down in the rain. So, I, I, you know, I know I've got other things to talk about. People have emailed me. I've forgotten what they said. So I'm just going to brush over that and act like it never happened. One thing I do want to talk about. So last week... I was in Tesco's. You know, I always talk about Tesco's. Well, I do most of my shopping, not all of it. I've got a Lidl as well, which is a discount supermarket um, because I'm poverty stricken. But anyway, I was in Tesco's. That's where we get our Christmas crackers normally. Where are the Tesco's? All the Christmas crackers. Normally, if you've never had a Christmas cracker, right, what it is, yeah, you know, you've seen them on TV. You pull it, a joke, a hat, and normally some sort of trinket or little toy or game. Now, all of Tesco's crackers this year are recyclable. So you don't get a piece of plastic tat anymore. Yeah. How are the landfills going to get filled if there's no tat to fill them with? They'll be called land empties, not landfills. Yeah. I think it's a great idea, actually. So the ones I bought for our Christmas dinner, you get a game card in each one. And each one's got two things on it. So it might be a trivia question. It might be like a charade you've got to do. It might be, you know, the uh, what's that game? Taboo. You know that game where you've got to describe something, but you're not allowed to use certain words. Yeah, so you've got one of those on there. A hum that tune. I think it's really cool because... That's actually something you can do, maybe not before your dinner, because your dinner's going to be getting cold, but maybe after you finish your dinner, everyone plays their game card, rather than getting a crappy little piece of plastic that you're either going to drop on the floor and not be able to find, or go straight in the bin. So, well done on that one, Tesco's. Good work. Also, I think you still get your hat and your joke. If you don't get a hat and a joke, then I'm going to be furious, but it does say on it a hat. It says motto. It doesn't say joke. Is a motto a joke? My motto is... Always tell good jokes. It's a good motto, isn't it? Yeah. I don't keep to it. You know, you've heard the jokes I tell on this podcast. Anyway, that is crackers, Christmas crackers. I've covered that, dealt with. I'm sure lesser stores are filling their crackers still with plastic tat. However, Tesco's, all of them, I, I say all of them, all the ones I saw, and I saw about like four different, five, five or six different types of crackers there, and all of them uh, were completely recyclable. Yeah, good for them. Anyway, that is enough about crackers. Now, let's get on avec this. Avec means with in French, so I'm really cultured. Let's do this. This is the Total Christmas Podcast. Listen up, jackass. 
You know, boys and girls, I've been holding on to this question for Jackass since October, because other things have got in the way. Uh, mind you, October's not really that many episodes ago, was it? It's only like four episodes back, I suppose. Anyway, this was sent in with a couple of other questions by Travis. I've answered the other two, so now I'm answering this one. He says, What is the ultimate festive morning drink? I strongly believe it's an eggnog latte. My mum says it's a pumpkin spice latte. My girlfriend says it's a hot chocolate, spiked or unspiked. She just has a sweet tooth and loves chocolate. Or perhaps it's coffee and Baileys. Please give us a final answer. The debate is ruining the family. Well, that's an easy one, actually, Travis. The correct answer is a Bucks Fizz. Yeah, now, if you listened to the episode where I talked about Christmas drinks, you'll be aware that Bucks Fizz is made up of champagne and orange juice. And so on Christmas Day in the morning, instead of your normal glass of orange juice, you have it with champagne. Yeah, that cocktail is also known as a Bellini, I believe, but we call it Bucks Fizz in the UK. And... It's the ideal way to start Christmas Day, as the rhyme goes that I just made up. Yeah, so forget your lattes, forget your hot chocolate. It's Christmas morning. You need something nice and fresh to pick you up. And also, it's got alcohol on it. Have yourself a Bucks Fizz. And I've solved another problem. Look at that. Jack saves Christmas. If you've got any questions that you want solving before Christmas, you've got a couple of weeks to send them in. You've got to be quick. I will do that. I don't have any more questions left on the back burner. I don't think. I might have, but I've forgotten about them. So if you want to send your questions in, send them in. Now it's time for this. Humbug. 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 It's all humbug, I tell you. Christmas or humbug, Uncle? Oh, you don't mean that, surely. This episode's version of A Christmas Carol is called Scrooge and Marley and it's from 2001. It was produced by Coral Ridge Media and it's based apparently on a book called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born. Now in this version, Scrooge is played by Dean Jones. Now, I don't know if you know Dean Jones. He's not with us anymore. He was in the Herbie films. The f- I think the first and the third, was it? Or the first and second? He was in two, at least, of the original Herbie films. He was also in That Darn Cat. He did a lot of Disney films. And he, in the, I think it was the early 80s, he, he suffered from depression. And he figured that maybe becoming a Christian would help and apparently it did and he became a devout christian and a lot of his work was based around sort of the christian message so this version is very religious based and it's not really based about scrooge being greedy but he is greedy oh anyway i'll run through the story and you can make of it what you will so it starts off with Marley, he's eating soup and he chokes on a wonton. And Scrooge is there when he passes away and he's like, oh, it's a wonton that he's choked on. And we'll get back to that later. So then we see Marley getting buried and it's narrated by Joan Plowright, who you may or may not remember. She did a lot of stuff. We're at the graveyard and it's actually quite funny because these two coffin bearers carry in the coffin and they drop the coffin and then like lift it and just the bottom of the coffin stays down and the rest of the coffin lifts up and they just roll Marley into the grave and then they like carry the coffin off again so they get to use the coffin again you see because that's how tight Scrooge was I found that quite funny and then one of the grave diggers chops off the other one's toe with a spade when he's like digging and Scrooge says there's a lot of money to be made in chopped off toes or something like that and gives him his business card and this is when we find out that Scrooge isn't actually a moneylender. In this, he is 
a lawyer and he generally represents people who have been in accidents. Now at this point I want to say that it was set a modern day. However, at no point did I see anything that suggested it was modern day. I don't remember seeing a single car, I don't remember seeing a computer, I don't remember seeing anyone on their mobile phones or any kind of telephone for that matter. So I don't know why they're saying it's modern day but judging from the gravestones later on, Scrooge's gravestone, it's meant to be modern day. So there we go, Marley's dead. That was meant to be hilarious, that whole bit. And then this is when we find out what really gets Scrooge's goat. Because it says this. But if there was one thing that old Scrooge hated most, it was the Winterset Presbyterian Church's annual Christmas manger. That manger sat directly in front of City Hall, like a boil on the end of Scrooge's nose. So yeah, Scrooge hates anything to do with Christianity. And then we see this scene where he's at his meeting of Atheists Are Us and he's in this big hall and he stood at the front giving like a speech and then it cuts back to the audience and there's no one there. And it turns out that the only other member was Jacob Marley, which if he was a skinflint makes you wonder why he's hiring a massive hall when there's no members. But you know, that's something. So then Scrooge again is at this manger and he walks into City Hall and as he's walking in, there's a woman, a homeless person, it looks like, begging. She's like, oh, penny for the baby. He's like, oh, get a job or something. And Scrooge goes into the mayor's office and says, I'm going to sue you because they've got the manger outside. Then at this point, we see him go and collect his free soup. Now, here's the deal. We see a newspaper clipping up on Scrooge's wall, and it says, because Marley died choking on a wonton Scrooge sued the wonton soup company so he gets free wonton soup for life so he's there eating his wonton soup and he starts to choke on it but luckily Bob Cratchit saves him that time then Scrooge chases off some carol singers and goes into his office and there's loads of people all lined up that have had accidents in that that are wanting to sue for damages Scrooge tells them all to get out because he's got bigger fish to fry. Uh, but there's one bloke left who's broken his leg falling off a ladder. And Scrooge is like, oh, you won't get any money for that. But if you break your neck, there's real money in it. So Scrooge grabs his head and sort of breaks it. So he's got a broken neck. And he's like, yeah, you're going to make plenty of money now. But then we find out that Scrooge is going to charge him 75% of any winnings he gets in court. And also charge him for renting a crutch and a neck brace. So that's great. So Scrooge is in his office and who should come in but nephew fred and we find out that nephew fred is the city attorney and scrooge is all like oh christmas is naff and i'm still suing because you've got the manger outside and fred's like well yeah don't and scrooge's like well i am and then this is interesting because this happens look at him cratchit measly little city attorney in a measly little town does christmas put food on your table as it send those snotty little brats off to college. Mm. Last year, Cratchit, his youngest was sick. Who was it paid? You did, sir. And I'll think twice next time. And he says, like, his youngest was sick. So I suppose that's Tiny Tim. Sounds like Tiny Tim actually got better. Yeah. And Scrooge gave him the money for it, which is also very interesting. Hang on, that wouldn't be Tiny Tim, would it? That would, Tiny Tim's blooming Cratchit's son. What am I talking about? I thought I knew a bit about A Christmas Carol. Turns out I don't know much. Well, at least this version I don't know much about. Then the next bit's funny, because it's sort of closing up time. Cratchit wants to leave, and he sort of creeps out. 
and we see sort of Scrooge at his desk and then he opens the door and Scrooge just stood there like where are you going he's like oh well it is sort of closing up time and so Scrooge is like okay you can go because he's really generous like that then Scrooge sees Marley very briefly in the street just his ghost so that's a bit of foreshadowing there only briefly but there he is um, and then we're actually there in the court so the next day is the court case against City Hall about this manger because obviously it's a religious symbol in front of a government building and Scrooge is like all about separation of church and state so anyway they got a little bit of slapstick when the judge comes in because he's on his chair and his chair's really low so that they have to raise it up that's something and then Scrooge makes a comment about how he's given the judge a complimentary turkey which are you allowed to do that? is that how you win a court case? then the, the bailiff turns up and she shouts really loud I think it's meant to be funny then the mayor is called as the first witness and he trips up and he talks in a silly voice and at this point I want to say that this really reminded me especially the mayor of the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch the way it's filmed the music as well the whole thing has got like a slight touch of the way The Grinch is filmed yeah just something that sort of stood out to me especially because a lot of the characters particularly the mayor are like cartoon characters almost so Scrooge talks to the mayor about separation of church and state and Fred presents no case have a listen do you wish to call any witnesses no your honor I would just like to say that this lawsuit is completely frivolous that manger harms no one duly noted and of course the court has to find in favor of Scrooge but Fred wants to appeal and it's like hang on a minute you didn't present a case in the first place why on earth are you appealing are you going to present a case next time or not bother then? That's just a waste of time. Now the judge says, okay, you're going to have to take down the manger on Monday morning. And Scrooge's like, whoa, that's not good enough. Like that Monday will be after Christmas. Probably Boxing Day, I'm guessing. He's like, I want it down now, before Christmas. And the judge is like, okay, fine. We'll do that, man. Then Scrooge fires Cratchit after the hearing, apparently because he got there a bit late. So he actually fires Cratchit. He's not a nice man, especially after Cratchit saved his life when he was choking on the wonton earlier on. And then Fred still invites Scrooge to Christmas dinner. He's like, the offer's there if you want it, which is, you know, nice of him, I suppose. Oh, at this point, I forgot this. I should I should edit this back in for when it happened. I'm not going to bother. There's a bit just before the ruling where Scrooge is looking at the window and he sees Marley's face at the window as well. Okay, remember that, kids. Remember that moment. So Scrooge leaves and... Outside, they're taking down the manger, and the baby Jesus is on the pavement. And Scrooge goes up and he's about to kick it, but he doesn't. He stops himself at the last minute. He's like, Oh no. Then he goes home and sees Marley's face. It's in the gate. It's not actually on his door knocker, it's in like the gate. That's fine. I don't care. This is a very loose adaptation. It's pointless me getting annoyed about the little things in this, I think. So then Scrooge goes indoors, and Marley turns up in his office. And Scrooge is there. And he's got a drink and he toasts to a world where Jesus had never been born. And Marley's like, oh, is that what you want, is it? Right. And it all goes to court again. So we're back in a court. But it's a little bit different. It's a bit more otherworldly. Like There's, there's no roof on the court. And uh, Scrooge is in the dock. And it's like a big trap door almost opens with faint flames in it. It's like, you know, if you lose, you're going to hell. Which is a lot to play for. There's a lot of stake on this one. Not just some manger this time. Um, we see the judge. The judge is played by the same actor as the previous judge, but this time he's wearing all white. And the bailiff, for some reason, is dressed like a Viking opera singer. You know, from 
I don't know, some opera that I'm not familiar with. And then we see the jury, and the jury is made up of a slave, a sooty woman, a frail old man, a geisha, a poor man, and a young girl. And then Marley calls his first witness, and it's Dr. James Kennedy. And he doesn't actually appear there in person, he's just a face in the wall. Like, superimposed or projected almost onto the wall. There he is. And it's nice, actually. You know, they talk about the good that Christianity has done for the world. And he talks about how Christianity has encouraged education for everybody, particularly in the States. And he mentions about how most of the universities were originally created from Christian institutions. Then, Marley calls Scrooge to the stand. And while he's in the stand we see visions in the clouds of fans. So she's not there. We just see her very briefly saying how much she loves Scrooge and how much she loves Christmas and how he's going to come home for Christmas. I'll play a bit for you. Fair. I've come to bring you home for Christmas, dear brother. Father's so much kinder than he used to be that home's like heaven now. I asked if you could come home and he said, yes, you should, and sent me on a coach to bring you. Oh, we're to be together all Christmas. Oh, Ebby. Let's make this the best Christmas ever. Then Dr. James Kennedy turns up again and he talks about how Christianity has raised so much money for charity, how it's helped women and also how Christians were at the start of the abolition of slavery as well. Yeah, and at this time it sort of cuts to the jury members one at a time as we see what Christianity has done for each of those individual groups. And then Scrooge asks for a recess to consult with Marley and Scrooge tries to kill Marley. And he's like, I thought we were friends. And then Marley explains what hell is. Hell is finally discovering such perfect love feeling its warmth embrace you only to be torn from it by your own choice. That is hell. Scrooge won't listen and we see him in a coffin, desperate to get out. I think you're going to have to watch this. I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job explaining it all, to be honest. And that's when we see Scrooge's gravestone and it says he was born in 1917 and died in 2001. Yeah, which suggests that it's present day. But like I said, no signs of it being present day. Then it cuts from Scrooge being in this coffin, just about to be buried. And we're back in the courtroom from like previous, when Scrooge was just about to win the court case, like in real life, not in like this otherworldly court case. And it cuts back to the moment that Scrooge looked out the window and saw Marley. You see, that's why I said you've got to pay attention to that bit. And... The judge is just about to give his judgment and Scrooge asks for a 10 minutes recess. And he goes outside and he starts crying by the manger and he's like begging for forgiveness. And the beggar woman turns up and she's like, don't cry, God forgives people. And Scrooge gives her loads of money and who should it be but the ghost of his sister Fan. Yay! And then Scrooge runs back in, wishes everyone a Merry Christmas and withdraws the lawsuit and states that he wants the manger to be there as a permanent fixture and he is personally going to pay to have it there. And then everyone goes back to Scrooge's house and it's a lot like It's a Wonderful Life. It's a lot like it when everyone's there and everyone's happy and Scrooge... and Oh, actually, 
Fred says this. To my Uncle Scrooge, the finest man in town. Yeah, yeah which is almost a direct rip-off of It's a Wonderful Life. And that is how it ends. And do you know what? If you're a Christian, then I think you'd like it, I guess. It's not a subtle message. You know, there's no doubt about that. And it's not a great version, really. But, you know, if you want something different, a different telling of the story, then this is one of them, I suppose. This is a different telling of the story. I don't know if I'll be going back to it again, but I've watched it now and I've told you about it. Oh, if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube, so it's there. Scrooge and Marley, Dean Jones. Can't go wrong. Now let's do this. Boys and girls, the joke this episode is so bad, I'm just going to get into it, tell it and get out. Are you ready? What do you call an elf? This is, again, for my Christmas toilet roll joke thing. You know, the toilet roll has got the jokes printed on it. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Right. What do you call an elf who sings? A rapper. That's it. I'm out of here. Um, now, kids, I've scheduled this this week um, because it was such a success last week. It, I've got Skype ringing and um, we're, we're going to be talking to George Podcast again. Hey, Jack, George Podcast here, inventor of the podcast. I decided to call you again this week because, well, you invited me back. And I just didn't think you took any of my advice last time because as I see it, you know, just like those blue LED Christmas lights, your podcast lacks focus. I like to think it's fluid, to be honest, but it does, if you want to be rude about it, but come on, I'm, I'm interested to hear your ideas. I'm open, I'm ready, hit me with what you got. Your best stuff, I want yeah, your best yeah. stuff. Start Absolutely. with your best, Don't... give me your best first. Okay, best first, best best idea first, here we go. I actually have to start off with some praise for you this time, so that's shocking, but it's the best. So you recently did an episode where you talked exclusively about Santa's manscaping routine. This and the pool... That's not my podcast, that's not my podcast. I don't no? know what podcast you've been listening to, that's not my podcast. Oh, I w- I thought that was you. No. I had a great re- response to that. Oh, that's too bad. So maybe steal that idea and do that then. I no no. I'm, uh, again, this is these aren't great ideas, George. You got give me some. That's, is it your best one? When I said give me your best one, no, your... no, no, no. I okay. tell you, it's my best one. But I always have one in the chamber. Let's hear it. So with all the wild advent calendars around this year, like jams and beers, a member of the focus group would love for you to review his homemade advent calendar, 24 Days of Toilet Paper, where with every passing day closer to Christmas, the toilet paper becomes more and more rough until on Christmas Eve, it's literally 60 grit coarse sandpaper. I, no, this is, no, I, I can't have the idea of the to- if you had different toilet paper. No, what, why, why is he doing that to himself? Why are you doing well, this get, to me? He's, he's getting doing, used to it. I'm going to have to go, George. I'm going to hang up right now, George. And we, uh, don't bother contacting me again. But thanks for being... Don't No, not even thank you. Just I'm going now. But, but thanks, yeah. anyway. Not thanks, uh, but... Okay. I just want to no, say... No, no, no. So, boys and girls, last episode, I had Adam Kennedy on the show. He did an awful job competing at the quiz... But he's got a fantastic Christmas album out called Adam Kennedy and his creative common airs literally shrunk down and living in my Christmas village. It's available on Bandcamp and every episode leading up to Christmas, I'm playing one of his songs. This one, I think is actually my favourite. I'm not sure what you'll think of it, but I think it's really funny. The concept is brilliant. Have a listen 
to this song and then if you want to check out Adam's album just go to adamkennedy.bandcamp.com let's play the song girls last year i recommended listening to the paper scissors sword podcast and i've been in contact with stephen Mackay from paper scissors swords and i asked him last year if he'd come on the show he came on the show and this is the interview we did now now stephen is an author he writes historical fiction and that's what paper scissors swords is about it's about historical fiction but last christmas they did a fantastic episode all about Christmas, and he also sent me an audiobook of one of his Christmas-based historical fiction stories, and I loved it. It was really cool. It was like a spin-off of Robin Hood featuring Friar Tuck, so I think you'd enjoy it too, but now here is the interview with Stephen. So, boys and girls, I've got a special guest on now. This is Stephen Mackay. It's Mackay, is it? Yeah. Mackay, not Mackay. Nope, Mackay. Yeah, okay. And he's an author and also a presenter on the podcast. Hang on, have I got it right? Scissors, Sword, Stones. 
No, completely wrong. Paper, Jack. paper sword stones. Paper rock. Paper scissors. Rock paper swords. <laughs> so close. So <laughs> reasonably close. Reasonably close. Yeah. Um, I've listened to a lot of episodes, but particularly my favourite one was your Christmas one you did last year. And it was like a whole history of Christmas yeah. long before Christmas. And it was fantastic. I, I listened to it a couple of times because it was so much information in there. It was brilliant. And they mentioned my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I even stole one of your jokes. You stole, did you? Yeah. The, I think it was the one about the fridge door opening. Oh, you see a face light up. Aye. Uh, yeah, it's a blinder. It's a blinder. One of my jokes <laughs> yeah, that I stole from someone else. So you've also written a lot of Christmas books. Now, I was lucky enough to get a, an, an audio copy of one of Stephen's uh, short stories, a Christmas story. It's about Friar Tuck. And it's like a mystery suspense short story. It's really good. Uh, so, yeah, what's the deal then? So you're a full-time writer, as we discussed. Yeah. And, but you've written a number of stories based around Christmas. Yeah, well, the, I'd written uh, Robin Hood novels to start off with. But they're kind of, you know, they're gritty adult novels, not for children type thing. But when I finished those, I thought, well, I really like those characters. And I really like Christmas as well. So I thought, why don't I use some of those characters like Friar Tuck and write some Christmas stories using them? So that's what I've done for the past few years. Every Christmas I put out a, a new one. So I think I've got like six or seven now. Just short novelettes or novellas using Friar Tuck, Little John. You know, the, the well-loved Robin Hood characters. Aye, and they yeah. kind of go around solving mysteries, and some of their mysteries are based on real true crime stories. What from the past or from? Yeah, fairly. Well, there was one that there was a woman called Cindy James uh, from uh, Canada, sorry, and she was like stalked in the nineteen eighties, and it was this really really bizarre story that I heard on a a true crime podcast called The Trail Went Cold. And it was just such a bizarre story that I thought, this is really interesting. Why don't I take this and put it into a medieval setting and have Friar Tuck investigate? Because the real story was, was kind of never solved. So I thought, well, I'll have my story. It'll be solved and everything ends nicely. Uh, but obviously the real one didn't. And then there was another one that was based on a, a religious cult, a true religious cult, which again, I think was the 1980s. And it was just all the bizarre stuff that they got up to in the 1980s. And I thought again, well, this is a really interesting story. Why don't I take that and a friar talk in that, investigate it? It's just a bit of fun, really, but it's, uh, people seem to like them. No, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I didn't realise you'd written a load more about Friar Tuck. So these are, it's sort of like a spin-off from yeah, the, the exactly. series of novels. So can you tell us briefly about the, uh, the Robin Hood novels you've written then? Yeah, well, they were, it was basically a retelling to start off with of the Robin Hood legend, but trying to make it realistic and how it might have really happened. So I did an awful lot of historical research. They are very much historical novels, but there's a ton of fighting and action and a wee bit of romance, not very much. But uh, aye, they went down really, really well and they sold thousands of copies. I did four of them uh, and it basically set me up as a writer. So that was the foundation that I built my career upon. And I mean, you wouldn't have thought that many people would be interested in Robin Hood. I certainly didn't. Oh, no, Robin Hood's great. You think the, the amount of films they've had. Like, well, and Robin of Sherwood as well. That was a brilliant series. Yeah, I didn't, I got, I went off that because it, it got a bit sort of mystical. I never really liked yeah. the aspect of it. That yeah. Was, I know was it Jason, mean. Jason Connery, is that Jason right? Jason Connery, yeah. Was he the yeah. first one that played him or the second? No, he was the second. Aye. Michael yeah. Prade was the first one. Who was it? Michael Prade with the dark hair. Michael Prade, that's right. Yeah, yeah. See, like I've in, like since I've been going to the cinema, there's been like three live action versions. Yeah, yeah. They never really topped Kevin Costner, sadly, have they? 
Well, Did the you... funny thing was, uh, when I, I put the second one out, it was called The Wolf and the Raven. And uh, I got an email, actually, from the producers of Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, eh? uh, I think they did Casino as well. And the email was saying they would like to make my book into a movie. Oh, aye. Uh, <laughs> so you can imagine how excited I was to wake up to this email. Uh, so I replied to them saying, oh, of course, please do. And then I never heard them back from them. That was it. Oh, no! I know, <laughs> that was about eight years ago. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was legit, it was genuine. But yeah, I just never heard it, any more. Do you think it might have had something to do with that? Awful Taron Egerton version. Exactly. I think at that time, I think they were, they were started to make about two or three different Robin Hood movies, and that one was one of them. Was it? Sorry, so eight years? Did you say eight years ago? That I think it was about eight or nine years ago that I got the email. See, that wouldn't have been long. Me. Would that? That would have been after Russell Crowe, would it? Yeah. 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 It was definitely after that. Yeah. Aye. And then Taron Egerton's one, which was. Did you watch that one? No, I couldn't bring myself to. I, I, yeah, I couldn't believe that I did watch it, but you know, I, I didn't go to the cinema for it. Actually, I can think of another one. There was four because there was two that came out around the time of Prince of Thieves. Did, did you ever see the one with um, Patrick Bergen? Yeah, I don't remember that one. It was the, the husband in Sleeping with the Enemy, the bad guy, and it had Uma Thurman played Maid Marian. I watched it again about a year ago, but it was much, much worse than I remembered it being. <laughs> Yeah. The usual like yeah, man. Well, it was, the thing is, that was made with British money compared to the big right. Costner one. And that one did come out first, but no one went to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, so that was your second novel in the series that they wanted to turn into? Yeah. A, yeah. What about the first one? Yeah. What's wrong with that one? I know, it was a bit weird. I don't know why they never asked about the first one. They just mentioned the second one. They said that the, the producer had read it and really liked it. And they replied saying, yeah, please do. And they replied after that saying, okay, we'll get back to you. And then, Oh, so they did Never get back to you. Them. They did get back to the... Yeah, yeah, twice. I, did, then... I get two emails from them and that was... Uh, Never heard anymore. Yeah. Well, maybe after just, like, enough times passed... Yeah. And, and people can forget about the Taron Egerton version, they might get back to you again. I hope so. I also did a, a computer game called Hood Outlaws and Legends. But was it based on your uh, books? No, but they asked me to write for it. So I did all the writing for all the characters and all the maps and stuff. And it came out on Xbox and PlayStation about two or three years ago now. It never did very well, to be honest. But it was really nice to see my writing within an Xbox game that people could play. It was, it was quite exciting. Oh, I bet, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So from this, you've got the spin-offs. It's, is it just so, so Little John, Friar Tuck? What about Alan the Lad? No, he he is in the novels. Uh, but no, he's not in the it's spin-offs. Not, it's not it's Alan just, the Lad, is it? It's not Alan Lad. It's Alan, Alan Dale. Alan Dale, yeah. I'm thinking Alan of Alan Dale, Lad. That's right. Oh dear, uh, I've embarrassed myself. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, it's Will Scarlet, Little John and Friar Tuck are the three that can appear in them all. Uh, Will Scarlet as well? Yeah, he's in it as well. And is he, he, is he he's quite Hood's like... Brother? No, not in these books, no. He's he's an old mercenary. <laughs> but he, he's actually quite like uh, Ray Winston, who was uh, the guy in Robin of Sherwood. Oh, was he? Uh, you know, I, was, as well. I didn't know that. I was only familiar with the Christian Slater one, where he turned out that he was his half-brother at the end, didn't he? Oh, that's right. I swear he did. Aye. Uh, I, Ray Winston played uh, Will Scarlet and Robin of Sherwood. And my character's, he's quite like him. You know, he's got that angry, always in a rage type thing about him, but he's a heart of gold. So the three characters work well in my stories because one's a friar. Little John's obviously a big, strong guy that can beat it from the up kind of thing. And then Will Scarlet's quite angry all the time. So it's quite a good, you know, a good blend. A bit of comedy, a bit of violence and a a good bit of Christmas. So your books go back, what, sort of, the last one was released, what, six years ago, was it? No, no. The, I, the, Robin, I, Hood, I, the Robin Hood ones. Oh, the, well, the Robin Hood 
the last Robin Hood novel must have been about six years ago. And then, so, so the is, last... it every, is it every year since then you've been doing the Christmas ones then? Yeah, yeah. I don't have one this year officially. What? Oh! Well, I know, I know it's became a tradition, but uh, I got a publisher this year for my latest book, which is about Alfred the Great. It's okay. called The Heathen Horde, and that came out in October, so my publisher didn't really want me putting out a short story like a month or whatever after that to take away from the novel. Uh, so I agreed not to do one, although I have written one. It's called The Christmas Hunt. Oh, you've already uh, written it? Give you... it... What, so we got to wait till yeah. next year? No, well, well, most people will, but I'm going to give it away on my email list. Anybody that's subscribed to my email list will get it for free this year, and then next year I'll probably edit it a bit more and jazz it up a bit more and and then sell it. Is it just as an audio book or do you just sell no, it? No, no, it's, a, it's a, just a, a normal, basically an e-book. Okay. So what about your so previous it... ones? Were they, because the one you sent me was an audio book. That was the ones... only one of those. Yeah, that was the only one of those that I did on Audible. Because to be honest, nobody really buys them. Especially, you know, the short ones. Because they cost the same as a long one. So nobody's really wanting to go on to Audible and spend seven ninety nine or one of their credits on a book that lasts for 45 minutes, you know, no, you can that's, get that's true, some... but I'm incredibly lazy and I don't like reading, <laughs> so I need the audio versions. Maybe I'll just get my wife to read it to me. Aye, <laughs> read that out while you're washing the dishes, get her to read it out to you. Well, I'll tell you what, though, I enjoyed your Fire Tuck one so much, I'm going to have to have a look at the other ones, because it was so good. Really, yeah, it kept you reading. I Well, I say kept you reading, kept me listening. Because I was yeah, just listening. Yeah. But I can imagine I would have enjoyed sitting down and having a read of it. So I'm definitely going to check out the others. I'll have to get on your mailing list so I'll get this new one for free. Um, yeah. Are you going to tell us any more about some of the previous ones then? But what, so the, the Fried Tuck ones are like mystery ones. Yep. What about the, uh, Big John, Little John? What's it? Is that, is, are they all mysteries or is it? Yeah. Well, they're all kind of basically mysteries. Yeah. Or maybe a bit silly mysteries. So I did one last year, it was called The Peddler's Promise, and it was a bit more of a, a light-hearted one, where Friar Tuck is away somewhere else for Christmas, and he sends Will Scarlet and Little John this gift, but he hires a, a drunken old peddler to deliver it to them. So obviously they never had postmen back then. So this drunken peddler gets lost on the way there with his with their gift, and they have to go off into the, the wilds of Yorkshire and the snow and ice at Christmas to try and find this peddler. So it's a whole kind of daft series of events where they're trying to find this peddler and then they eventually find him and there's a wee bit of a twist at the end. So that one was, it was quite light-hearted because as I say, some of the other ones, they were based on like stalkers or religious cults where people had been murdered and stuff in real life and then I'd taken it and put it into a story in medieval times. So some of them are quite dark, although they always end up with the Christmas scene and everybody's all happy apart from the bad guys. So that's kind of how I, that's how most of my books kind of go. I like to have, the characters are like, they're not black and white. The bad guys are usually kind of grey. But I do like to have like a happy end and a, and a kind of hopeful note at the end. I think you need that in a Christmas story yeah. really, don't you? Any Aye. kind of story, I prefer that. Aye. So you finished the, the original Robin Hood stories, have you? Yeah, for now anyway, yeah. Oh, so you might return to them, you think? Yeah, a lot of people still ask me to go back to them because that's like my favourite series of theirs. So I might, I do have an idea for another novel, but I've got, I need to write three for my publisher just now about King Alfred the Great. So I've finished one, second one's basically finished and I've started the third. And then after that, I've, I've got a series about a, a giant warrior druid. I say giant, he's not a giant, he's just really tall. A giant uh, warrior druid. A warrior druid. Yeah, 
So that's like my other main series. So I've got five of those. And he's basically a guy from ancient post-Roman Britain. And he goes around fighting the Saxons, like, and King Arthur, uh, sorry. Aye, King Arthur, I get confused with the two of them. King Arthur's in it. He makes a wee appearance in Merlin because it's that kind of time period. And again, it's, it's basically about a big guy. And he starts off with two massive dogs as well. And he basically goes around battering everybody, you know, the bad Saxons that are coming over to do bad stuff in Britain. So he goes around beating everybody up <laughs> and rescuing people. And, you know, it's a lot of action adventure. But with a historical kind of aspect to it. It's, it's, it's exciting stuff and it's always kind of, as I say, there's dark elements in it. Quite a bit of bad stuff happens to people, but there's always a hopeful note in it as well. So you do all the proper research to to make it oh, historically yeah, yeah. accurate? Yeah, I've got massive stacks of books about all these different time periods, yeah. Aye. So while you're here, do you want to tell us about your uh, your Christmas song then? Did you listen? I did listen, yeah. I had a good listen to it, Yeah. Yeah, well, this is for the podcast, Rock, Paper, Swords. Uh, you sure that's what it's called? You've got me confused now. No, it's definitely called that. <laughs> uh, so we do interview sometimes rock stars. Like we had Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull on the show and we had the bass player from Slash's band on the show and Gregory Spotton from Big Big Training. You know, just various different rock musicians that have maybe got an interest in the history. And we also have historical novelists on as well so it's a bit of fun and because me and the co-host Matthew both like Christmas so I thought why don't I try and write a wee Christmas song because I've got you know I play a guitar and uh, I come up with a nice wee riff that was quite catchy and I thought that fits a kind of chorus in my head Christmas is coming so I started just putting that together and I sent it to Matthew and he came up with all these fantastic vocals lyrics especially the end but which uh, is probably my favourite part of the whole song. You know, it's it's very much like, to me, it's like a Def Leppard song because I really like Def Leppard. It's those kind of guitars, a bit of Queen in it, and it's uh, always, with the Slade song, uh, it's always in the back of my head for Christmas songs. I really oh. like that one. And the Wizard song, where they have the kind of children all singing in a, a choir. You know, that these kind of ideas were all in my head as I was I was writing it. So I think it's pretty good. I think it was alright. Yeah, I liked it. The guitar's yeah. fantastic. You've clearly got some yeah. skills on the old plank there. Is it worth <laughs> a play a bit of it for the gang after? Um, yeah, please do. I mean, I'm going to have to remix it a wee bit because I sent that to Matthew, the singer, and he said, "Oh, this is perfect." But when I listen to it, I think, "Well, I'm not surprised he thinks it's perfect because the vocals are really loud and the guitars are a bit quiet." So I'm going to remix it and just put the rhythm guitars up a bit louder, and then that will be the one that goes out probably in the first of December. It's just a bit of fun, you know, we don't make any money out of it. Nobody's going to be buying it and putting it to Christmas number one or anything like that. But it's, it's you know, it's just a good laugh. It's oh, definitely. Cheek. Yeah. That's yeah. a good song. It's a good song. Well, you'll get to hear it in a minute, kids. Yeah. So do you want to tell the listeners a bit more about your show then? Yeah, well, as I say, it's it's every two weeks now that we put the show out. And as it's kind of historical action and adventure, it's mostly about historical writing, historical novels. And archaeologists have been on talking about the history and how it works, you know, so how we research our books. And then, like, the odd rock star comes on if they've maybe got an interest in history, because Ian Anderson, Jeff Rotal did a, a Viking-based album last year, this year. So we thought, well, we'll, we'll get him on, because he's, he's like my favourite musician ever. And he agreed to come on, so it was it was quite amazing. But we've also had guys like Bernard Cornwell, who wrote The Last Kingdom, the TV series. Uh-huh. We've had, we've had him on, you know, we've had some really amazing high-profile guests on. 
Are you going to have a Christmas episode this year? We have recorded one. It's a bit different this year, though. It's uh, a joint episode with another podcast called A Slice of Medieval. Uh-huh. And they're they're kind of similar to us, and maybe even more of a historical like history aspect to it rather than fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've recorded an episode with them that'll go uh, the start of December. So it's going to be looking at, I'm guessing, Christmas in medieval times. No, it's really just a retrospective of everything we found interesting this year, like in historical novels and things like that. Oh, so it's not Christmas based then? It's not really, no, no. Oh. Which I was no, a bit disappointed about. I know. <laughs> Well, so when you say you talk about historical novels, would that include perhaps a novel that was written around 2001 or two by Jack <laughs> Andrews called Thursday Night's All Right? Uh, no, probably not, Jack. Are you sure? Because it's got lots of swears in it, lots of swearing. No, uh, it's not really old enough. What you could do is just set it in medieval times, Jack, and just come back to me. Well, couldn't you just read it and pretend it's in medieval times? So when we're talking well, about... That's, that's- that's what you should do, rewrite it, pretend that it's uh, medieval times and just put the characters on at medieval times and then come back and we'll, we'll do it. You're talking about, you're right, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, my, my writing days ended about 10, 15 years ago. Right. Well, that's it. I just blown it. I thought, I thought, get him on the show and he'll, and he'll plug my book. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh, so tell them how, tell people how they can find your books. I will put links in the show notes. It's Stephen A. It's Stephen A. And on your books, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, Mackay. Yep. M C K A Y. That's that. Yep. Yeah, that's how you spell it, kids. And like I say, there's how many? How many uh, Christmas short stories was it now? I think there's six, and then there'll be this free one this year, which is seven. So there you go, kids. And if you get on his mailing list, you'll get one for free. So highly recommended. Like I say, I absolutely was riveted by the one about Friar Tuck that I listened to, and I will be having a look at the other ones as well. Thanks so much, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jack. Cheers. Cheers. Christmas is coming! Christmas is coming! Rock, paper, song! Guitars are strumming! Black the heathen horde! Rock stars are brighter! chills the air children play with precious new toys and on the hearth the yule log flares 
But as we toast departed friends, let us not shed a tear. Instead, let's charge our glasses, raise them up, and usher in a happy new year. This is the quiz, this is the quiz, this is the quiz, this is the quiz. So, boys and girls, in a previous quiz, I don't think it was the last one, I think it was the one before last, I asked the question, in 1982 short story, The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle is the only story set at Christmas time featuring which famous detective? And I was talking about what a carbuncle was, saying it's like a bundle of warts under the skin, or bundle of boils under the skin. And... Stephen Mackay, who I spoke to earlier on in the episode, he put up on Facebook, yeah, a carbuncle is a gem in the story. I knew that, Stephen. I knew that. But I was talking about what a carbuncle was. Anyway, I thought I'd mention this because I listened to the short story, The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle, the other day on the audiobook. And you can listen to it online for free. You can find it easily. Just put that in, listen online, and it will come up. And I'll tell you what, it's pretty good. I really liked it. Festive, and it's got Sherlock Holmes in it, and it's a little bit of a mystery. So, yeah, if you haven't had a listen to that book, if you're not familiar with it, then read the book online, you can, or listen to the audiobook online. Yeah. Anyway, now let's get on with this episode's version of the quiz. Question number one. To which country did Joseph, Mary and Jesus flee from Bethlehem after Jesus' birth? Which country? Question number two. In the film Miracle on 34th Street, Chris Kringle is hired to play Santa at which New York store? Which store? Number three. 
Who had the 1976 Christmas number one single with the song When a Child is Born? And it says in brackets, Soleado. I don't know what that means. If it's based on a tune, I don't know. But who had that number one single? Uh, next one, in the cartoon Bugs Bunny's Christmas Carol, which character plays Ebenezer Scrooge? Which Looney Tunes character is that one? Next one, which punk rock group played their last UK gig on Christmas Day in 1977 at Ivanhoe's in Huddersfield? They played a matinee for children of striking and laid off minors and then they played a regular evening show. Yeah, who was that? Which band? In 1977. Next one, in which European country's Christmas traditions do they have mischievous sprites called Calicanzori who prey upon people during the festive season? Uh, next one, right, this is a tricky one for me to read out, so just see what we can do here. Of what is Christogeniatico dendrophobia the irrational fear or dislike of? What's that phobia? Uh, next one, who plays Clark Sparky Griswold in the National Lampoon series of comedy films, including, of course, 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? It's an easy one for you, wasn't it? Next one. Which long-running American children's TV series had a 1996 special episode called Elmo Saves Christmas in which Santa grants him three wishes and his first wish is that it could be Christmas every day? Well, TV show. Easy one again. And a final one. Which 2013 comedy drama film stars Paul Giamatti as Dennis who reluctantly takes a job selling Christmas trees with old friend Rene played by Paul Rudd? Do you know what? I watched that last week. And he's not reluctant. He wants the job. He wants to earn some money because he's just got out of prison. So that's a bit of a lie, that. Right. Now, before I introduce the people who are going to be on the quiz this week, I was watching Modern Family the other day, and I heard this. Oh, don't look. There's that jerk, Dwayne Bailey. Yeah. It's not very nice, is it? And this. Was Dwayne Bailey, and why do we hate him? Well, we don't hate him. We love him. He presents tinsel tunes. So I don't care what they say on Modern Family... I think Dwayne Bailey is fantastic. And here he is with Scott. Okay, boys and girls, here come the answers. And I have two special guest stars who are coming on to give us their answers. So I have Scott Newman and Dwayne Bailey from Tinsel Tunes. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Jack. Hello, all you total Christmasers. And they both assure me they've scored 12 points each, which is actually impossible, but... That's what they're claiming. Um, so, gentlemen, the first question, to which country did Joseph, Mary and Jesus flee from Bethlehem after Jesus' birth? Scott, I'm going to let you answer this one first. I have absolutely no idea. You heathen. You dirty, dirty heathen. Dwayne, tell him. I could tell him all sorts of things, but not the answer. I don't know either. What? You were heathen as well? It has to be something next to Israel. Is that it? Somewhere next to Israel? I, I don't know. I'm going to take the loss on this one. They went to Egypt. They had a wonderful time. They went on a cruise down the River Nile. It was wonderful. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I write that down. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, yeah. great work so far. In the film Miracle on 34th Street, Chris Kringle is hired to play Santa at which New York store? Go on then, Dwayne. Is it Macy's? Yeah, it's Macy's. Is that what you're saying, Scott? It's Macy's, yeah. Yeah, do you know what? Shame on me. I didn't get it. 
Mm. I should have known it. I, I knew it was Macy's. Some reason I had Gimbals in my head, but I don't even know if Gimbals is a real store. But I know it's talked about. I think Gimbals is their competitor. It was, wasn't it? Gimbals was a real was store because wasn't it referenced an Elf? Oh, was it? And that's the store from Elf. Yeah. There you go. I made a fool of myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Question number three. Who had the no- ah? This will be right up your street, gentlemen. Being uh, Christmas music fanatics, who had the 1976 Christmas number one single with the song <laughs> "When a Child Is Born"? Scott. Tell us. Since I have no idea, I'm going to just go with my old standby, Cliff Richards. <laughs> Tell him, Dwayne. Is it Johnny Mathis? It is Johnny oh. Mathis. Do you know what's interesting is that song is huge in the UK. And when Johnny Mathis is in the UK, like they all, everyone wants him to sing it. But it, it, him being from the States, it's not that popular over there. So I'm, so I'm not surprised that you don't know it, I don't Scott. Think I've but ever well done for knowing that one, Dwayne. It's a great song. I love that song. I love it too. Yeah, it's a glorious song. Wonderful song. Is it an actual Christmas song or is this one of yeah, your number yeah. Christmas number ones that has nothing to do with Christmas? No, no. Scott, we need to do this. Oh, I okay. might have actually already done it, but it's a great song. What did you say? Okay. You haven't already done it, have you, Dwayne? I don't know. I have to go back because there's so many. I don't think you have. I think yeah. I remember that. I don't think so. so. Yeah, we, we might look at that one. Okay. When a child is born, it's about baby Jesus, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can make that assumption, but I've been wrong before. Well, clearly, in this question. Okay, next one. Question number four. In the cartoon Bugs Bunny's Christmas Carol, which character plays Ebenezer Scrooge? Um, I believe this is your turn, Dwayne. I've never seen it, so I'm going to guess at Elmer Fudd. That's my guess as well. I've never seen it either, but Elmer Fudd seems like the obvious choice. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, you don't need to see it because I talked about it on my podcast and I know you're both avid listeners, so you would both know that it was Yosemite Sam. Oh, Oh, yeah, I guess that actually makes more sense. Yeah. Huh. Jack's show must be a lot like listening to my wife. I don't remember a freaking thing. (laughs) Yeah. Just background noise, isn't it? Goodness. I mean, but we are in our 50s. Yeah, that's right. I need to take my (laughs) Prevagen or whatever. Question number five. Which punk rock group played their last UK gig on Christmas Day in 1977 at Ivanhoe's in Huddersfield? They played a matinee for children of striking and laid off minors and then a regular evening show. Who was that? Scott? I think it was the Sex Pistols. What are you saying, Dwayne? Uh, the only punk rock group that I could think of was Green Day, and I know it wasn't that. What, in 1977? It just didn't come to me at all. Ramones? Oh, it could have been them too. No, it was, it was the Sex Pistols. Uh, Okay. Fine, a freaking Lee, I got one. All right. Well done. Yeah, good work. Yeah, for some reason, when I think pop punk, it's just Green Day, Green Day, Green Day all the way. 1977, <laughs> Dwayne. Are you listening to this? <laughs> I know. I know you don't listen to my podcast, but you can at least listen to the bloody questions, young man. <laughs> right. Question whatever. In which European country's Christmas traditions do they have mischievous sprites called Calacanzori or Calacanzori who prey upon people during the festive season? Dwayne, tell us. I put Germany. Because it sounds German. And I know you've heard this on your podcast. <laughs> oh, you do know that, do you? Oh, and you weren't bloody listening then either, were you? No, but I just couldn't remember. No, he's freaking lying. He is guessing that you mentioned this on your podcast. <laughs> are you guessing, Dwayne? Germany. Are you No, not are you guessing which country. Are you guessing oh. that I talked about it on the show? No, 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 no. Because I know you did. Because it does ring a bell, but I just can't remember what the answer was. So it sounds German to me. Scott, tell him. You know what I remember from your show is the Yule Lads. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, those are great. But the name sounds Nordic to me, so I'm guessing it's either Denmark, uh, Norway, one of those. So I'm going to guess Denmark. Have a few more guesses. You still get it wrong. Keep oh, going. Crap. Yeah. All right, a Sweden. You Sweden. You can have Sweden yep. as well. I'll give you Sweden. Nope. Iceland? Nope. No. 
Okay, I'm out of countries. Greenland. Gentlemen, if you listen to my show, like Dwayne clearly does, but doesn't pay close enough attention, you would know that, do you know what, I won't lie to you, I'd forgotten which country it was. It was Greece. <laughs> They're Greek. Oh, wow. But well okay. done for remembering it was on the ah. show, Dwayne. Congratulations. I don't remember that. Right. Thank you. Let's see if I can say this properly. You won't. Of what is, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Cristal geniatico dendrophobia, the irrational fear or dislike. What is that? Of what is that? What are those people scared of? Scott, I think it's your turn. I've got a strong guess here because dendrophobia is the fear of trees. Holy crud. So I'm guessing this is the fear of Christmas trees. And that's just based on Christo. That's what I, I don't know what yep. Genatisio is. I thought that meant like old people. but uh, Dwayne's, Dwayne's nodding his head, okay. right? Even though he didn't have a blooming clue what it was. Did you? What did you have, Dwayne? Christmas trees. Is this true? Yeah, the true. I, oh, I can't see a screen, but... Well, I can't see that you've Googled it, Dwayne. Is that what you're saying? I can't see that you've Googled it. No, that's on that computer down there. No. Just teasing. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, I treated it like the chase, where you take the question and you take a word from it. In this case, it was Chris. And I thought, it has to be Christmas or Christmas trees or something like that. So I went Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't get that one. But well done to both of you. You made me look like a fool. Doesn't take a lot, but congratulations. Um, question number... Oh, this is, we've got an easy one for you now, kids. Mm. Who plays Clark Sparky Griswold in the National Lampoon series of comedy films, including, of course, 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Could you please tell us, Dwayne? Chevy Chase. Yeah, it's Chevy Chase. Of course yeah, it is. Of course. Well done. That was an easy one. Another easy one. A very young-looking Chevy Chase, too. After this, he kind of went off a cliff and started looking really old. Yeah, he sort of disappeared for a little while, though, mid- mid-90s. Yeah. Didn't he disappeared, and then he sort of came back again as an old man. Reinvented himself as an old man. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he comes back in community, and he's, he's old, old. Old, old, yeah. Okay, uh, which long-running American children's TV series had a 1996 special episode called Elmo Saves Christmas? Tell us, Scott. It's got to be Sesame Street, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dwayne, oh, is that what you had? Yep. yep, it had to be. Have you seen it, guys? Have you seen it? No. No. No, neither of you. No, 1996, I was busy doing young man yeah. things that did not involve Sesame Street. So Yeah, I was too, Scott. I should circle back and watch it. You think I would have seen it with my kids? I've got it, I've got it on DVD. I bought it on DVD about, what, seven or eight years ago? Listen, the first, the first time I saw it was... I didn't realise how old it was, actually. But the first time I saw it was probably about seven, eight years ago. Is it a ringing endorsement from you? Is it good? <sighs> uh, it's not his best work. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Right, last question. Which 2013 comedy drama film stars Paul Giamatti as Dennis, who reluctantly takes a job selling Christmas trees with his old friend Rene, played by Paul Rudd? Dwayne, tell us all. I will tell you everything but the answer. Okay, go. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I believe Jack mentioned this on his show. Someone's paying attention. Uh-oh. And it ain't you, Scott, because I've never <laughs> talked about this show. I've never talked about this film in my life. You've made a fool of yourself. Yes. you made a fool of me. And you- well, Didn't you talk about some bummer-ass movie that's about a Christmas tree lot and, and a couple? Yes. Is that not, yeah, that's not but this? Yeah, it's not Paul Giamatti All in right. it. I, well, who the hell's Paul Giamatti? What? I, no, I know the name. I, I don't know who he is. So he, he played Santa and... Um, yeah. Yeah, he played Santa Among in the one with uh, Fred Claus. And Fred Claus. How have you never heard of Paul Giamatti? I've heard the name, but I couldn't tell you. I, if he stole my bike, I wouldn't recognize him. I don't know who he is. He was in Rock of Ages. Yeah, you'd know him because you'd be like, oh, that's the guy that stole my bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's him, sir. Yeah. yeah. I don't know either. I've got to look it up again. Hold on. <laughs> No, it's called, do you know, it's got two, two names, actually. It's called Almost Christmas, a.k.a. All is Bright. I've seen it mm. years ago. I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Just like listening to Jack's show. How dare you? 
I think we've established that I have no memory for it. Just, it just seems like you just come on here, you've embarrassed yourselves, and you've upset me. Is this what you intended to do? Congratulations. <laughs> you know what's really exciting is I realize I can go back and listen to all your old episodes, and they're going to feel brand new again. They're not going to feel like reruns because I don't remember a flipping thing about them. It's great. I actually do listen to my old episodes occasionally, just out of interest. And I'm, I learned so much about Christmas. Wow, someone's got tickets for himself, Dwayne, huh? <laughs> I learned so much. And you could too, kids. Okay. Yeah. Can you add up your own scores or have I got to do it? No, I've got it. So let's see. Zero, zero, yeah. zero, one. I think I got five out of ten, which is like a world record for me. I've, I've never scored this high on one of your quizzes. That's not bad. Dwayne, what did you get? Five. So, um, yeah, I got Macy's, Johnny Mathis, Christmas Trees, Chevy Chase, Sesame Street. Yeah, between us, we got ten right. Yeah. <laughs> ten. We're awesome. Yeah, well done. This is fantastic. This is a full house. Congratulations. Do you know what? I got six. Perfect score. Because I got I got the one about Paul Giamatti wrong. I couldn't remember it. That Fear of Christmas Trees, Calicanzori, and to my shame, I got Blumenthal. Miracle on 34th Street wrong as well so six for Jackie Boy so I still beat both of you and I've made fools of you both we have the book in your lap so I would hope that you'd beat us what are you doing what are you doing interrupting me is that what you're saying Scott can I interrupt you please Mm -hmm. you didn't even say please did you what are you saying I'm saying you you say to me you've got the book in your lap I would hope that you scored higher than us Goodness me, Scotland. I don't look at the answers. I, I read the questions. Then I then I give my own answers. I play the quiz like you do, Scotland. Okay? But I get a higher score because I've got this ridiculously incredible intelligence. Are the answers written right under the questions or do you have to, like, flip the book upside down or go to the end to find the answers? They're at the end. They're all at the end. All There's right. The all right. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Cheerfully withdrawn, Jack. Thank you. I don't like ang- angry Jack. He's 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 scary. Yeah, no kidding, man. Yeah, what a freaking <laughs> crank that guy is, huh? You it's don't Christmas like angry Jack. You really <laughs> are <laughs> angry, Al, aren't you? It's in the theme tune, Dwayne. You must have learned this by now. Exactly, I'm a man yeah. that strapped a microphone about Christmas. That's what I do. He's an angry elf. Wait. Yeah. Boys, you've been on numerous times lately, and I was blessed to be on your show. Do you want to plug your show one more time? It's getting close to Christmas. Tell the world about Tinsel Tunes. Yeah, you should definitely listen to Tinsel Tunes. Uh, We go into the history of very popular Christmas songs during the Christmas season, and then during the off-season, we do some offbeat ones, and we have a lot of fun. Lately, we've been having some guests on, like... Angry Jack. Jack, and I mean, probably... I don't know the numbers yet, but I'm assuming it's our uh, highest-listened-to episode out of all of them, obviously. Has to be. (laughs) So you should uh, definitely go to TinselTunes.com and uh, find us. We'd love to have you. It's actually, Scott, why don't you plug Christmas Morning as well? Because when this comes out, it's going to be getting pretty close to your daily episodes, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, as of November 1st, we're going daily again, so... Did you do that last year as well? No, no, this is a this is strictly a cash grab this year. We're <laughs> we're, we're going all in at the beginning of November. But yeah, uh, Christmas morning is a uh, during the season. It's a daily show where we go through Christmas news, do a Christmas joke. Some of my steals straight from Jack. Uh, we read the Christmas TV listings for that day, and we do a Christmas music battle where we try to find independent artists on Bandcamp, uh, and then we let listeners vote on it. We do it all year round. It's weekly during the year but it's daily between November and uh, Christmas. So check us out, christmasmorningpodcast.com. We'd love to have you over there as well. It's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm a regular listener to that one. It's a great Thank podcast. You. It is, especially in the build-up to Christmas, when you get a little shot of Christmas every morning. It's fantastic. Good work. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, boys. This has been a real pleasure. We've been actually recording... Boys and girls, you don't know this. We've been recording now for nearly three whole hours. Yeah. And it would have been a lot shorter, but I kept <laughs> knocking my microphone, and it kept cutting out the recording. I don't know whose fault that was. We're kind of trying to work it out. But so thank you so much for being on, guys. I've really appreciated it. Can I... um? plug one thing oh yes go crazy yep so uh regular listeners of tinsel tunes will know that i do an outdoor christmas display and i'm going to be starting to install that in november but if you want to check it out and all the past videos just go to youtube just search for townsend that's towns s-h-e-n-d christmas lights and you'll find the channel don't have to subscribe i don't worry about that but if you want to that's cool and you'll be able to see the videos of last year display and later the season this year's display if you don't have a Dwayne to english dictionary it's more like town shend yeah. uh it was a silent h so town town's end but it's town shend. yeah can't wait to see it Dwayne. and jack thank you all joking aside thanks for having us i love your show that's been great and uh and look forward to being on every chance that you have me so thanks well if not before it will definitely be again sometime this time next year hopefully you can both come on again because i've really enjoyed it Yes, thank you, and uh, Merry Christmas, boys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks again. And that is it for this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Been a busy one. You might have noticed that Bob Baker didn't have his segments in this episode, and that is because he's um, busy. It's Christmas, isn't it? And because I've gone weekly, he hasn't gone weekly. Simple as that. So he'll be back in the next episode with his segments. But right now, yeah, it was just me doing stuff. I'm going to give a quick recommendation. The film I mentioned earlier with Paul Giamatti and Paul Rudd, it's not particularly Christmassy. The deal is they're based in Canada, I think. Is it Canada? Yeah, they're based in Canada and they head to New York to sell a load of Christmas trees. And it's a comedy and it's all right, but it's also a bit dark, a bit sad, but it's all right. And I enjoyed it, you know, like I like something different because there's so much like sickly sweet Hallmark stuff out there. You might want something that's a bit of a change, a little bit more gritty, but still humorous. So yeah, you can check that out. It's called Almost Christmas in the UK and it's called All Is Bright Everywhere Else, I believe. I could be wrong about that, it could be the other way around. But if you want to check it out, as Christmas films go, it's a little bit different, worth checking out. that is it for this episode i really hope you've enjoyed it now you don't have to wait long for the next episode because i'm gonna be back again in one week's time that's right kids yep i've got a lot of work on my plate at the moment but i'm churning it out and i hope you're enjoying it i've got to plug my stuff my merch and again like i said in the last episode none of the money that comes from this goes to me most of it goes to the t-shirt website but any money that would go to me, I'm going to be giving to Save the Children. So if you want a t-shirt that's got the Total Christmas podcast printed on it, or a sheep with a humbug in a speech bubble, bar humbug, you get the joke, or Merry Christmas, you beautiful people, or, you know, I love you, Merry Christmas. Those are the four designs that are on there. If you want one, why then why not go and buy one? And, you know, you're also doing a little bit of a charity. If you want one of those t-shirts or stickers or coffee cup or whatever i don't know they've got loads of stuff on there if you want one of those just go to t public and search total christmas podcast and my designs will come up and you can get one or not i'm not forcing anyone it's up to you do what feels right 
I'll be back again, like I said before, in one week. If you want to get in touch, email at totalchristmas at gmail.com or go on the website totalchristmaspodcast.com. You know I love you. Merry Christmas. Look, I, I don't want to speak ill of your mother on Christmas, but she's nothing but a common street whore. Okay, that's great. A nice restraint.